0: The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to one 909 Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencers Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome to The Influencers Edge today. We have a very, very special guest, Jessica Rhodes, who is... Jessica, are you the president or the CEO? or this? uh, What is your official title at Interview
1: Connection? I call myself the founder. Margie is the CEO. Uh, I think on some official paperwork, I'm the president, but I just say I'm the founder. I kind of do a bunch of stuff.
0: (laughs) Now, before we go any further in the interview,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: transparently, I have to say, I am an incredibly happy client at Interview Connections. They have made me a lot of money through getting me booked on other podcasts. So thank you, Jessica, and your team does an unbelievable job. I'm not getting paid anything for this. Yes, <laughs> consider it an endorsement because you. you you guys have treated me like gold, even though I'm a weirdo. <laughs> you probably <laughs> probably-
1: <laughs> We love you. <ya. laughs>
0: I know you do. So let's tell the audience a little bit about you. You have an extensive background. I'm reading it off my iPhone. So Jessica Rhodes founded Interview Connections, plug, 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 you should all become a client, the world's world's first and leading podcast booking agency in 2013 when no other agencies like it existed. Recently, you were awarded the 2022 Bronze Stevie Award, goodness gracious, for Marketing Agency of the Year and Podcast Booking Agency of the Year by Corporate Vision Magazine, Jessica and the Interview Connections team are responsible for booking thousands of podcast interviews a year, leading to millions of dollars in revenue for their roster of clients. And I can say that that's true. I haven't brought in millions, but aggregate, I could easily see how you have done that. And today we're going to talk about how business owners will learn can find out how podcast guesting is an effective lead generation and brand building strategy. Wow, that's a mouthful. But Jessica, I'm so happy that you set aside time from being such a successful uh, business person. And it really is is flattering to me, so thank you. Everyone always asks, how did you get started in this? And we'll get to that. But that's not the first question I like to ask. The question I like to ask is, what was your moment of discovering uncovering that this is something you actually really love to do. We'll get into how you got started, but was it a gradual dawning upon you that this was your calling, or did you know right away that this was what you were meant to do?
1: So I've always loved people and bringing people together and connecting with people. I mean, before I even knew what a podcast was, before I was a business owner, I loved doing work with people in community. Uh, Before I started my business, I was doing door-to-door field canvassing for a nonprofit. I would get involved in different political campaigns through going door-to-door and talking. I just loved like knocking on doors and talking to people and educating people and bringing people together and helping people learn about things. And I just loved that ever since I was young. And when it came to having my business and doing different things as a virtual assistant, which is what I started doing as I got involved in podcasting and pitching and booking my dad, getjenpalmer.com on podcast. Also,
0: excuse me, who happens to be my business coach. And uh, for every dollar I pay your dad, he makes about seven or eight. Yeah. So <laughs> far and away the best business skill. It looks like I'm if it looks like I'm plugging the Palmers.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, so when I got involved in pitching and booking him as a guest, he, I mean, that I know you didn't ask about how I got started, but it, I, these two answers are kind of this, the answers to these two questions are kind of the same. I was doing virtual assistant work, lots of different types of tasks, essentially, as a VA, and I wanted to really hone in on a specific um, service offering. So I could scale as an entrepreneur. I had a baby at home. I didn't really have a ton of time to be logging a ton of out like billable hours. And I just loved bringing people together for podcast interviews. It was super fun. I mean, people love doing it. It's relationship builder and um, I was good at it. I could take a lot of the skills I'd learned in my previous career um, and apply it here. So it was all kind of natural.
0: Well, let's talk about that. How did you map over your skills from the previous career into what you're doing now? Because that's uh, intellectual undertaking. So how did you map it over?
1: So when I worked for this nonprofit doing door-to-door canvassing, it like we taught these five basic skills. We'll see if I can remember them, you know, like, okay, can I remember the things I taught for six years there? Like, confidence, making eye contact. I mean, there's so many like just sales things like making eye contact, having confident tone, um, having like, so we did, we handed over a clipboard, right? When we knocked on someone's door and they literally taught us how to hand the clipboard over strongly and confidently and like get it into their hands, build yeses. Like the more you can get someone to say yes, the more likely they are to say yes when you ask for the donation. So all of that stuff I would apply to Pitching podcast hosts and asking people to be a guest on my clients' podcast. It was making a confident ask. It was built, you know, having assumptive language and having confidence in my communication.
0: Let's talk about that. Cause I like to put pins and things and interrupt. Them. Yeah. Let's talk about assumptive language because that's something that everyone who's into sales either knows or needs to know. So, what do you mean by assumptive language? I, as a hypnotist and neurolinguistic programmer, means something different. So mm-hmm. unpack it for us, please.
1: Yeah, let me think of an example. I mean, it's like a phrase would be, you know, I'm sure, fill in the blank. Like, I'm sure you can agree that fill in the blank. Like, I'm sure that you want more leads for your business, right? Like, I'm sure that you want to scale your business and get more sales, right? Like, phrasing a question like that, like, well, yeah, of course. Like, just assuming that they're going to say yes and phrasing again in that way. So that's what I mean by assumptive language.
0: Well. Cool. Now, one of the things that I want to dive into here is how being a podcast guest can generate leads for you and also generate revenue and also be a great brand building tool. But let's get into the different ways it can generate leads and mm-hmm. some specific ways that works. Well, let's back up even further. Your team does an incredible job. I'm going to stop drooling over <laughs> how well you do. What is your strategy? What is your your way to implement what you do so you do make a good match? Because you've matched me with some great shows. So what yeah. is your strategy for that? And how do you manage to run such a huge team? Because this is not, I don't want to make this just about podcasting. Mm-hmm. I want to make this about entrepreneurship. And you and Margie, your partner, are incredibly great entrepreneurs. Yeah. So what is your process for finding a good match between guest and host, and how did you convey that to your team? How did you teach Mm -hmm. your team?
1: Yeah, well, we look at it, I mean, we come at this from a business growth strategy standpoint. So I am focused first and foremost on how is the client going to grow, like what revenue streams do they have in their business? What are they selling? What's their offer? And who is their ideal client? Where is that client hanging out online? What podcasts are they listening to? What podcasts are they hosting? I listened to your most recent episode and you dropped in there. You hired one of your guests, somebody you interviewed on your podcast. You purchased a consult with them. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. That guest had a podcast host, you become their client. They closed the sale from the act of being a guest on a podcast. And so We really focus on the host relationship and looking at podcasts where the host of the show is an ideal client, because if the host is spending 30, 45 minutes interviewing you, they're going to walk away really having a deep understanding of you, having trust with you, and they're much more likely to become your client. So we look at it from that standpoint, host relationship strategy is a huge aspect. So I talk about that all the time in our content online. We talk a lot about that with our team and our researchers and our our employees who are doing this work. So they've just learned over the course of their time working here, that that's a huge aspect to the strategy. And they've, I mean, our researchers have become just absolutely brilliant at finding the right shows. in fact, they were just talking in our team Slack today about how Michael, one of our researchers, who's just brilliant, he did a training for our team on, you know, using word clouds to find different keywords. And I'm like, you guys know more about this than I do at this point. Like I'm an expert in like the sales and marketing strategies, but in terms of like the, the nitty gritty details of how to identify shows, I'm like, they are brilliant. Like we have a brilliant team.
0: Yeah. And so when it comes to lead generation, let's talk Mm -hmm. about that. So monetization lead generation and branding are the things i really want to get into yeah so lead generation what are some strategies for doing that
1: yeah number one it's being consistent like i want to talk in a second about like calls to action and having the right message but number one is being consistent Leads need to hear from you and be touched by you so many more times than you would probably like. We all want a lead to hear, like, we all want a person to just like see us once and become a client. It's not like that. Buyers buy. I don't know if my dad ever says this to you, but like my dad always said, buyers buy when they're ready to buy. Not everyone's going to be ready to buy from you the moment they hear from you. So you have to be consistent. And I mean, you've spoken about this to our audience about how you had a listener who would set up a Google alert and follow you as a guest and listen to interviews. Yes. You know, so just the fact that you are being consistent and just getting out there every like years on end, like you've never stopped being consistent. You know, you've got people who maybe heard you on a podcast two years ago that will become your client this year. Right. So there's a cycle there's it takes time. So number one, be consistent. Number two, have the right message, have the right interview topics that are teeing you up to talk about what you need your ideal clients to learn in order to know they need to work with you. A lot of service based entrepreneurs are selling something that requires a little bit of education in the market for a client to understand. Like some of my clients, they need some very basic, like podcast 101 education, or else they're not going to buy podcast guessing if they don't understand how the strategy works. So I'll do masterclasses and interviews and content, just breaking it down into the nuts and bolts so they can understand how it would work for them. So make sure you have the right topics and questions and then have a really effective call to action. When you do a great interview but you don't give a call to action, you're just going to leave listeners, like you're literally leaving money on the table. You're leaving listeners to just wonder who you are. Who was that great uh, podcast I heard? You know, <laughs> They were amazing, yeah. but I don't a know mutual, where to find them.
0: A mutual friend of ours, Wanda Toro Torini, who was on our uh, my mm-hmm. show earlier, uh, one of my early guests said, you wind up doing charity talks where people <laughs> say, that's interesting. And then they forget about you. It's like a, a one night stand, which- yep. uh, yeah I I totally get it. So what are the kind of things that people can offer as lead generation lead mm. generators excuse me. Yeah.
1: yeah there's a lot of different types of lead generators and uh offers you can make at the end of a podcast. I do want to make sure it's clear that it's it's best to give something that is free or like very low cost like a book or something like that. A lot of people are just so hungry for that sale that they just offer their Course or their service when it's like multi thousands of dollars. Remember, this is a top of funnel strategy. You've got to get people into your funnel and then continue to nurture them. So give something for free to maximize conversions and maximize the number of listeners that are coming over to your website. Um, You can do it, depends on what your business is, but there's things like free reports, assessments, quizzes um, checklists, you know, any type of resource that's actionable and is going to provide value to your audience. And then there's discovery sessions and just straight up offering a free consultation call or a discovery session. Um, you know, it could be a breakthrough session, a breakthrough call, something, if you can position it as value. And most of us doing sales calls, those are incredibly valuable conversations. And of course, at the end of it, if it's a good fit, you'll make an invitation for them to buy. But I mean, I know my leads, they get value from that call, whether or not they buy. And so I have no problem offering, you know, free consultation calls because I know it'll be a valuable use of their time. Let's,
0: Um, let's, uh, let me hit a little pause. Well, you already got through it, but let's mm -hmm. follow up there and a little bit of pushback. I like to push on my my guests. I love doing (laughs) that. When I first, uh, I think I've been with your with you guys for like five years, something like that, Mm -hmm. long time. When I first started transitioning, transitioning, because I used to be Ross Jeffries, the pickup guru. But once I started going into Paul Ross, et cetera, et cetera, and offering this, I found initially that offering a free strategy call just did not work. No one took me up on it, like zero. Mm -hmm. And I talked to a mutual friend of ours and i know she's your coach kelly roach who's a Mm -hmm. genius and we're working on getting kelly on the show that would be
1: i just followed up with her today
0: (laughs) okay good thank you i appreciate it but that call to action did not work for me Mm -hmm. and and kelly said and i believe you've said and a couple other people said well of course paul you're this master hypnotist you're billing yourself as someone who can talk anyone into anything anytime without their conscious participation Of course that's, that's not going to work. Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Not I mean, I'll just say not all calls to action will work for everyone. So, and and we had a conversation, you know, back and forth when I posted about this of like setting up an application process, but that is a really good point that not everything will work for everyone. So you have to really know your audience and what are their fears? What are their hesitations? And how can you get around those fears or hesitations? So if your leads are not booking that free call cuz they're kind of like, I'm going to get talked into buying and I'm a little afraid of that like what can you offer them that is going to just keep warming them up keep getting them involved with you so um back to you paul what what did you come up with what is your call to action that you do oh so through?
0: i worked with a wanda i hired wanda who's wonderful mm-hmm. wanda's right up to the top tier of people you know her well yeah uh, so what we offer and everyone let me give a plug so if you want to learn how to go beyond rapport and establish yourself as an authority in your client or prospect's mind within the first 60 seconds if you want to learn how to get your prospect to overcome their objections on their own without you doing hardly any effort and do it in 60 seconds and if you want to learn some strategies where you can have unbelievable confidence even if you've never sold before text 411-321 to get my invisible influence series make sure you put in your best email address that's how we'll get the goodies to you that's my pitch
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that's, that's perfect. And I think that makes a lot of sense for, for a coach, for a speaker, for a personal brand, because for me, like I'm running an agency, we've got a whole team, like I'm doing sales consultations for a service where we have, you know, hundreds of clients. So it's just, it's part of it that we have sales consultation calls, but for a personal brand, I think it makes sense that they would go like they, they would text something, they would get a free offer, they would go into something like a workshop or a live launch where they can learn from you in the audience. Um, it might be a little intimidating to get on the call with you or with a Kelly, you know, um, yeah. I... I don't have the same intimidation factor. I don't think so. (laughs) It's just not, it's not part of my brand, but that makes sense for it to be a part of your brand as you're building like this personal brand. So it's just different for everyone. Yeah.
0: One of the things I want to say is having done podcast guesting as well as doing my own podcast, this is not a one hit wonder thing. I think this is one of the things that people need to get in their mindset. And let's, we will talk about the mindset in a minute of someone who's a successful guest, but I think, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, uh, one of the, well, maybe I do. That's part of my job.
1: Try it. But I'll push back. If you're wrong,
0: push back, please push back. <laughs> but I think one of the things people need to realize if they're going to become an interview clients, connection, uh, interview connections, client, excuse me, I need my coffee is mm-hmm. this is not a short-term strategy. Can you speak mm-hmm. to that?
1: Yes, absolutely. I always tell people like to underpromise and overdeliver. You know, expect this to be a a slow burn, something long term. I, I certainly have examples of clients who say, "Oh my gosh, my first interview went live, and I got a client. And I made all my money back." I love to hear that, but most people need time for the visibility to increase they need time to hone in on our message they just need time for their prospects to be nurtured by them again you have to know what your sales cycle is uh you know you have to know that when somebody hears about you approximately how long will it take for them to become a client if you know that then you can understand that, all right, I'm going to do podcast interviews. Somebody will hear me today, but I know it's likely that they won't be ready to buy for maybe six to nine months or something like that. So it's long-term again, top. I mean, when I say top of funnel, I mean, these are people hearing about you for the first time. Some people will go right to the bottom of the funnel. They just hear you. They're fast decision makers. They, you arrived in their sphere at the right time and they go right to buy. But most people like You know, I would say with coaching, a lot of people are not going to work with like multiple coaches or be in multiple masterminds at the same time. So if your ideal client, like if you're selling a group coaching program or something and your ideal client learns about you, but they still have three months left of their current contract with their current coach, they're not buying for three more months at least, but they might plan to buy from you in three months. Um, And that's how I've always done it with coaches. If I know I want to switch to a new coach, but if I'm in the middle of my contract, I'm not, I, I might get on that person's list, but. Just, yeah, understanding that it's not always going to be the perfect time for everyone the moment they hear your podcast.
0: I think this requires people to take on a mindset of consistency and to manage their expectations. So transparently, I actually wound up hiring one of my guests because she, uh, her name is Mandy, I think Nicholson. She teaches highly creative, like super creative women, I'm not a woman, but there you go, how to be scheduled and structured in their own way. Because when you're a super high creative, just on a Sunday, filling in all the blocks of time you're going to do for that week following just does not work. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard her in the little green room interview afterwards, I said, please, can I hire you? What does it cost for a session? Best money I ever invested. It was a really, really good idea. But I want to talk about this idea of being consistent. That's why I brought this up. A lot of people just cannot get into the mindset of being consistent. Obviously, you're incredibly consistent, or you wouldn't be a multi million dollar business and entrepreneur. So, what are some of your strategies for staying consistent? Because we hear so many conflicting ideas. Mm -hmm. And one of my coaches and mentors said, A fool asks for opinions, a wise person asks for counsel and counsel is given by people who've reached where you want to go. So let's talk about this. What are some strategies for being consistent? Because you're wildly consistent.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty consistent and I, I've been really good about being consistent online, um, over the last like six to nine months, especially. And one of the things that I've been doing is, I got really disciplined about making like a one minute video every single business day, essentially. I don't work on the weekends, but, and I'll primarily use, you know, Instagram reels. That's kind of where I upload them first, but then I'll upload the same video to Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube shorts and things like that. But I just make like a short one minute video, just a quick tip, like something super basic and short, upload it. And the more I do that, the more the ideas come in. When I, the first week I started doing those daily videos, I was like, I don't know what to say. I feel awkward. And now it's like, I could just, I posted one like 10 minutes before this interview. I'm sitting here where I'm like, I'm going to do a quick video, boom, posted, posted everywhere. And then that just kind of got the gears turning. It gave me more ideas. So that's number one. I just got really disciplined about an Instagram reel every single day. And I have a daily Siri reminder on my phone. And I really, a daily Siri reminder. So on my iPhone, Right. I just have a daily reminder and I, I love my calendar, my Google calendar. I live by it, but for things like that, cause I'll do it at any time. Whenever the inspiration strikes me, I'll do the video. So I have it on my phone and I hate unread text reminders. Like I'm not somebody that has like the little one on an app. Cause there's something unread. So I know I'm going to do it because I need to check it off or it's right. going to really bother me. Right. So I do that. Um, and then i mean with podcast guesting um it's it's outsourcing it it's like having people either invite me or obviously my team pitches us like pitches me and margie so that's been a way to be consistent and then scheduling it in so our masterclass that we do we schedule it in so i know exactly what days i'm doing that live launch every single like every month this year and it's just scheduled in and then that kind of determines when I'm doing email marketing. So I know if it's two weeks after the launch, I'm just doing some organic emails. If it's the two weeks before a launch, I'm doing some promotion emails. Right,
0: I know the model, Kelly. So
1: just getting it all scheduled in and it really just takes discipline. And I mean, that's, I think the thing people don't want to hear, but it's like, you just have to, that's what works for me um, anyway, as like a Capricorn. (laughs) that's like my personality type i just i just work i just schedule it in i hold myself to it and i just do it
0: <laughs> i'm a virgo and virgos are skeptical so we're not allowed to believe in astrology <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's uh i i made that one up and i use it all the time but i love fa- it <laughs> never fails to get a laugh. And of course, branding for me, using it for a branding tool is self-evident, but I want to talk to you and ask you about it. But from my experience, when I say, yes, I have a book, here it is, subtle words Mm -hmm. and stuff. I have a book and I also do a podcast and I'm a podcast guest. Yeah. People go bananas. Even though there's a million podcasts out there, when you appear on a podcast and you share it, one of the things I do is when I'm on a podcast... I share it with my social media. I share it mm-hmm. with my tribe, And that's yeah. a really, really good. I'm doing all the talking. You I did
1: it to- today, Paul. I posted, you know, 30 minutes before we are recording now. I went on LinkedIn. I posted. I'm excited to be interviewed by Paul Ross on the Influencer's Edge. Check out his show here. I linked to it that right there, I always recommend to my clients that you do that when you get interviewed on a podcast. Yeah. It might not go live for however many weeks or months, right. but you can post that you were booked and that you're about to record. And then that just sends a message to your followers like, Oh, she's getting interviewed. It just sends a message. There was a time where, you know, cause there's seasons of business where maybe you're less visible or you're kind of doing stuff behind the scenes. And I went through a period of time last year where I wasn't getting interviewed on a lot of podcasts and it was noticeable. And when I started getting interviewed again, you know, I had one host that had interviewed me like five years ago. He's like, where have you been? And I'm like, oh my gosh, people know, people notice when you're not visible. So (laughs) you got to be consistent and, and be posting and talking about what you're doing. You have to fire on all cylinders. And that's like my methodology with marketing is you just fire on all cylinders because, Most people aren't paying attention or they need to be told something a thousand times before they actually take action. And my rule of thumb is like, they'll unsubscribe or unfollow if they don't want to hear from me. But I'm just going to assume that I've got a fire on all cylinders.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think managing expectations and understanding Mm -hmm. and realizing it's got to be a consistent thing and consistency is just some of us like crazy creatives It's not the easiest thing in the world to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, I think for creatives, it's really important to have a team, to have somebody like that you can outsource that type of stuff to. Because if you know yourself and you know that if it's only up to you, it's not going to get done, then you just need to put systems in place and get a team in place to help make sure that it does.
0: Well, you said another word that, "Ah, systems, systemizing. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm an operations manager. I could not do my business without my, Without my operations manager, manager mm-hmm. it just wouldn't work. I want to dive in, kind of switch gears. Mm-hmm. You were, you and uh, obvious question. I know the answer is absolutely no. You could not be this successful without your partner, Margie. She definitely is definitely like, not. <laughs> so, so I have found that one of the things you need to do if you're going to be a success, be consistent, know your message, et cetera. But if you want to be a super success, You've got to have the right partner and the right team. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how did you become a business partner with Margie? How did you find that person who would be a perfect complement for you?
1: Very serendipitously, uh, I did not go looking for a business partner. I never thought that that would be something that I would do when I was an entrepreneur. When I became an entrepreneur and I was running my business as the sole owner, I didn't think, "Oh, I'm going to go find a business partner." Um, but she, we worked together at the nonprofit before this business. And so I had already known her, but we just kind of like, you know, went on separate paths and we reconnected because I adopted her dad's cat when he died. So that's how we reconnected as she posted on Facebook, looking for people to take in his animals, and so we reconnected shortly after that. She saw that I was looking for guest bookers, and that was a 1099 contract job. I still had virtual assistants. So she became one of our guest bookers and was just amazing like, such I mean, the most amazing worker there is, like, just did everything with a smile on her face, called her clients, like, was a perfect team member. I, when I decided to have W2, like, full time employees, I made her the first employee. And that first year, she, pause,
0: yeah. Pause, pause. <laughs> no. That, you just skimmed over that and that's a big deal. That's like saying, when I decided to jump in the UFO and fly, (laughs) have that decision of going from, you see we're expanding this by the way, not just podcasting, but business in general, because this person is making millions and millions of dollars, you gotta listen to her. (laughs) So that's a big jump because I've always said, I never wanna have employees, it's just a, a big pain. Yeah, not a difficult decision. Were you scared to make that decision?
1: I was scared to not make it, honestly. So what happened was, you may know Carmen Torres, my HR specialist. I met her through my dad's mastermind group, and I remember I was at my dad's Dream Business Academy in Orlando in uh, 2017, and she was doing a session about W two employees versus time contractors, do's and don'ts. What do you know? How do you need to treat a contractor versus an employee? And I was kind of nervous because I was like, oh, I think I'm treating my team members like employees. And I also had a vision for having an office where I could work in person because I'm an extrovert. I was loving working from home because I had babies, but I was also kind of like wanting to build a team where we could be in person together. So I had that vision of really having like this agency with local employees and, um, that's kind of kind of went for. It. I was, I think, more afraid of being audited and getting in trouble for like gotcha. treating 1099 contractors yeah. like employees than I was. But, I mean, 2017, I I know I've glossed over it. It was probably the hardest year of my life. Um, it, I mean, we could do a whole episode on that alone. We'll but talk about
0: some of those challenges, I I like. The, okay, so I've got <laughs> the stuck on going from.
1: We have lots of pins. <laughs>
0: A lot of pins. But let's unplug that. So yeah. what was going on in 2017?
1: Well, number one, I was really burnt out. Um, you know, I started the business in 2013. Um, so we're looking at 14, 15, 16, 17. You know, we're in year four now. The business grew tr- dramatically. I mean, we were doubling in size every year. Um, I had 12 contractors, like 1099 guest bookers, basically working full-time. And then I was like, okay, we're gonna transition to having a full-time employee. I, you know, having full-time employees, I kind of ran the numbers. I'm like, I think we'll actually be able to get more done with less people having, you know, full-time jobs. And so I thought we could just like turn everything over in a month, did not go that way. Um, But it was very difficult because I didn't want to tell my contractors that I was moving to employees because I couldn't have them quit before I had employees hired and trained and in place. So that was a really difficult transition. I made some mistakes. I mean, I did not handle all those interpersonal conversations correctly and, um, I think I'm cool with everyone now. I think everyone's cool with me now. I know I'm cool with everyone, but there were definitely some like, people were not super happy with me in all those conversations. Um, so it was just very difficult. We made, we had no idea what we were doing too. Like we're hiring employees who just were like, oh my God, a podcasting job? Cool. But I mean, I'm telling you, I have some I have some horror stories of, of stuff that I probably can't share on here for HR legal that, reasons. That's
0: fine. No, that's <laughs> fine. I think what you're demonstrating is, Sometimes as an entrepreneur or a business person, if you really want to make a big leap, it can't be uh, ready, aim exactly, take your time, aiming and everything. And then when you've got all the factors figured out, then you fire. Sometimes you get what you can get, and then you have to leap and fall, yeah. fail and fall forward very quickly.
1: Yeah, but it was that year and doing that, I mean, Margie was an employee at the time, and she and I were basically working together as business partners, even though I was the sole owner and she was the main employee who was basically helping me manage and lead this change over. And it was through that year that I was just like, I could not have done that without her. I mean, I there were many moments of crying and just being like, it's okay, we're going to get through this, and this will be a great story to share on a podcast one day, and <laughs> um, And it was at the end of the year, we were, I remember we were going out to lunch and we were just kind of like dreaming and thinking like, oh, what if we had like a podcast studio one day or, you know, just kind of thinking about different business ideas. And I remember saying to her, we were walking back into the office after having lunch out at a restaurant. And I was like, would you want to be a business owner one day? And she said, without a beat, she said, yes. And I was like, oh crap, like I'm going to lose her. (laughs) She's going to go start her own business. And, um, yeah, that's what kind of got me. That was like in November and by January she was co-owner. And so we, we went through, I I at first was trying to like offer her, you know, 10 or 20% equity. And she was like, no, (laughs) she's like i deserve 50 percent, and i was like yeah you do and we just both agreed that we wanted to be 50 50 so there's obviously more to that that negotiation conversation but yeah, yeah we became 50 50 and then you know it took a couple of years of learning how to be co-owners because i was like founder and ceo for many years but then over 2018 2019 we realized she's a much better ceo like she's a much better visionary she's much better at seeing the big picture i'm a better doer I'm better doing and producing and being in the trenches than being able to, I get stressed out. If I'm looking at the whole picture, I like being, yeah.
0: I understand that completely. Let's circle back. Now this is how I do things. When I find something that's super interesting about the guest, I'll veer off topic because I think it's one of the ways you offer value. There are a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and business owners out there who face similar challenges, but they don't take that leap of faith. They don't. They just stay stuck uh, stuck where they are. So let's get back to podcasting. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the most common mistakes that people who want to be guests on podcasts make and mm-hmm. how can they avoid them? Let's talk about that.
1: One of the biggest mistakes people make is they get really hyper-selective about the shows and they get like really like feeling like they have to have every show be this like very perfect fit. When in reality, sometimes you don't know which show is going to be the perfect fit. Um, We've had clients that tell us, oh, you know, you've booked me on a show that at first I probably wouldn't have chosen for myself, but then I realized, oh, it was a perfect match for me. And that's what will really hold people back is if you kind of over- analyze and like micromanage the results of each individual booking that can be a recipe of like disaster basically if you're just trying to micromanage the results it's like trying to micromanage the analytics of every single video you post. If you're posting a video a day, you just got to post a video a day. You can't worry about all those little things. Um, so knowing that this is a big picture strategy that not every inter- not every interview and episode is going to be this like massive home run, but all together they work really well. Um, so that's probably the, the one big mistake that people make. I mean, stopping too soon. We've already talked a lot about consistency, but a lot of people stop and give up because... They didn't make millions in sales in the first six months. And then they're like, this doesn't work. And it's like, well, most of your interviews aren't even live yet, you know, or if you had just tweaked your call to action and kept going, you would have seen the right. results. So quitting too soon is another big one that I see people make.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, You've given so much value. and
1: I know. I feel like we could keep talking. We've probably been going I mean, for a while. Well, uh,
0: let's see what else we can keep
1: Yeah. Talking.
0: So I know... This is a really, really personal question. Um, I'm not going to ask it, uh, but I will tell you, I have asked it to other really successful business people. I'm just going to ask it. We'll edit it out. So okay. Tracy, make note. If this is too personal, we'll, add it, uh, we'll edit it out. My niece, for example, Vanessa Van Edwards. Have you heard of Vanessa?
1: I'm not sure.
0: Vanessa was on my show. She's written two bestselling books, Q's and uh, I forget the other one. I asked Vanessa point blank could you be as successful as you are in business if you didn't have the right uh, part? I don't mean uh, the right spouse, the right person in your life. And her answer was absolutely not. And I've asked other people the same question and they mm-hmm. say, absolutely not. So I'll roll out that question to you. Yeah. And if it's personal, we'll edit it out.
1: No, I'm happy to answer. I mean, I, I agree. Having my husband is incredibly supportive. I could not do this without him. I mean, the number of business trips that I've taken, knowing that he's just got it. I mean, we've got two kids and, um, there have been many business trips, you know, conferences, masterminds that I've gone on, um, for days at a time where he does all of the work around the house with the kids. I definitely, could not do that um, without him and, you know, his support in uh, just being the emotional support when there are days where I am like checked out, I'm working from home, I'm physically here, but I'm emotionally and mentally not here. I, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing it with a spouse that wasn't that supportive. And and it's also nice, too, to be able to reciprocate that as well. My husband's in a space now where he's working a lot more. And so now I'm kind of taking more of the parenting stuff on. And, you know, he's working a lot of nights at his in his business. And um, it's nice to give that back. So I think it is really, really important that to grow a successful business, you definitely want to have a happy. And we've invested a ton. You know, we've worked with relationship coaches, have paid high ticket to um, help improve our marriage and relationship because everything in life is a mirror. And when things are really happy and in harmony at home, that is reflected in your business and your financial success too.
0: Thank you for answering that question. Everyone mm-hmm. I've asked it to, uh, if uh, who I say, could you be as successful without your uh, supportive spouse? And they say, no way. Uh, I'll I mean, give an but,
1: addendum if I can because yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's possible that I could be as successful. I don't think I could be successful and this happy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I get it. Wow. Um, you have given so much, uh, in this brief time we've had talking together and I'm going to plug once again, is there anything you would like to add that we have not asked you?
1: This is so fun. I mean, the, the mark of a really good podcast interview is I am not checking the clock to see what time it is. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I've really, really enjoyed just talking with you and seeing all the different chances we've gone on. Um, no, I mean, interviewconnections.com. That's my call to action since we're, it's very and, meta. Cause we're.
0: <laughs> and my call to action is become a client. It, yeah. it is. It has been fantastic for me. And the other thing is, uh, your team is really amazing. They have treated me with like, I won't get into the personal thing I was getting into, but I was not functioning well emotionally. And you reached out to me personally. And my booker, Dan, reached out to me personally. And you said, Paul, you're family to us. And I felt that was true. That was real. So um, I, I'm just going to, I don't get any money from this. So I'm not getting a commission, none of it. I'm just saying, if you want to build your brand, if you want to generate leads, if you want to generate sales, join Interview Connections. And if they want to talk to you about that or your team, how do they go about doing it?
1: Yeah, InterviewConnections.com. There's many buttons on there that say schedule a free consultation call. So uh, go there. We've also got you know podcasts and resource articles and things like that. If you're like really just gathering information, just head to InterviewConnections.com and and we've got something there for you.
0: Jessica, thank you so much for being again. Thank a
1: guest. you. And
0: the Influencers Edge, stay in the green room because I want to talk to you a little bit. We will see you on the next episode of The Influencers Edge. See you on the other side. Okay, Tracy, stop recording. Hold on. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411321. That's COMPEL to 411321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1. 909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack in sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on The Influencers Edge Show.